0: Welcome to Salem, the podcast.
1: We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides.
0: My name is Sarah Black.
1: And I'm Jeffrey Lilly.
0: And today we have a very special guest with us. We are sitting down and chatting with John Andrews, founder of Creative Collective.
2: Say hi, John. Morning, all. Is it? I mean Afternoon. always until I get through at least mid November it it's all just feels the
1: same <laughs> still. So. You've, always, you've always just still groggy and getting out of bed. Yeah, yeah, That's the, fair. the
2: 3 a.m. panic attacks are still happening. So that usually takes about a week and a half to go away.
1: And we're we're not even a week out of it.
2: Right. So not there yet. Not there yet. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: almost there. I think we yeah. are all we're walking close. walking with a, a bit of a glaze over our eyes at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's I'm also like cleaning up the mess is wrong but like those things that I just didn't pay enough attention to and
2: oh like, there is there is the collateral damage of yeah. October <laughs> as a small business is something that we all deal with and it's real yeah
1: it's <laughs> we've, real we, we, we've been there
2: it's, When was the last time I vacuumed my car yeah that those those June. little things that you don't really yeah. think about yeah because we got busy super early this year.
0: October started in September.
2: October started in June. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the whole September, November thing, like any of that. But like, I feel like Salem as a community came out of COVID swinging and it just never slowed down. And we just kind of hit that crescendo in October, um, just shy of a million people. So... Which is, Why? like, a
1: little disappointing, but also, like, oh, thank god. You goodness.
2: know, I'm not going to lie. I read that article, and I was like, oh, man, we were so close so, to saying a million so people. Close. yeah. But you can say roughly Ru- okay. a million people. <laughs> About? About. Yeah. Um, I work on Salem Arts Festival a lot, and uh, that's the thing we do. It's like, oh, it was 4,500, 7,000 people came to Salem. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't count the dogs or the cats or the babies. Children. Or the children, yeah, so...
0: Yeah, it was one heck of a year for Salem, that's for sure. And you were right in the middle of it.
2: We we had we had quite a year. I mean, for me, I feel like I still haven't done that pause since 2020 March. Um, so, so
1: hold on, to yeah. What do you do?
2: I mean, that's <laughs> so that's a tough one, and I get that asked a lot. And I've spent about five years now trying to figure out how to put a mission statement on my website that would make anyone understand what it is we do. It's easier for me to describe, like, my happy place. My happy place is figuring out how the creative economy and the regular economy work in tandem. And really highlighting the importance of creators of all types. Um, You don't have to be an artist to be a creator. So we started out as like, uh, we're going to be a chamber for artists. That didn't work. I, that failed very fast. Um, but being a chamber for creators made a lot of sense because creative people are entrepreneurial, creative people are driven, creative people understand, especially in the entrepreneurial side of things. It's one thing to make. It's, a one thing t- it's another thing to make something that can make you sustainable so you can continue making. It's the continue-making piece that we like to lean into. I want, in a perfect world, in my pie-in-the-sky dream, if everyone does what they love, we're going to be a better society overall. I feel like I was forced into doing things I didn't love. My kid was forced into doing things they didn't love. And a lot of people that I know that have this like really creative spirit have had to stop just to make a living and pay their bills.
1: Right. Your your creative thing is the thing you like is your side hustle. And that's that should be your.
2: Yeah, I you the, know the, the thing it, that feeds
1: your soul should feed your your day.
2: Right. And 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 also with some sensitivity to that because, you know, uh, I have given up two or three different careers that were creative because they became a business that I didn't love. That was a that was a whole thing. Um You know, anyone that knows me from around the community knows, you know, I used to be the camera guy, and I would have my camera everywhere, and I'd take photographs of everything, and I just don't do it anymore. And a part of the reason I don't do it anymore is because it became a business that I didn't like. (laughs) So now I have the opportunity to run the collective and take my camera when I choose. So I still have my creativity piece, um... But my, I've always said like my happy medium. Like when someone says that you know, paintbrush or oil is their medium, community is my medium. I love community piece. I love when a creator does what they're supposed to do or they want to do, and they get paid to do it, and you see a community become healthier for it. That that, and then a strong lesson learned through COVID, George Floyd a lot of talks about equity and inclusion is giving someone that may not have been given a space as a creator in the place that they live to do their things and then make the community a better place for it. Um, it's
0: a know. win-win situation. You're it, helping people and you're helping the community.
2: Yeah. And and so many, so many uh, underserved creators just hadn't been seen or heard the way they should. And I think that One of the things that did come out of COVID for the people that were driven is they they found a platform either online or digitally where they could kind of force themselves into someone's home and say see me (laughs) in more of a neutral playing field. You're not out in a public space. You're not. You're. You're. you're Everyone. Everyone is online. So if you found something that you loved and embraced, it really gave people a new platform, Um, and that was really interesting to watch too. I'm sad that some of that's really gone away since we've come out of a lot of that. But I do think some kept with it and some translate that translated that into, hey, we we found our voice during COVID and no one's online anymore. But we made connections with these folks that can put us on stage out in public spaces doing our thing on the physical map. Yes.
1: So so what is that? I know what that looks like in Salem. But I think a lot of people who are listening, who like Salem, who have come to Salem, probably don't realize what you've done with those tools for them coming to Salem.
2: Salem Salem's an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to think of like really solid examples. You know, we work with a lot of, uh, for example, through Salem Arts Festival, Jazz Festival, Haunted Happenings, all of them, we work with a lot of artisans and makers, crafters handmade goods. And a lot of those folks don't really have a lot of opportunities to show their stuff. Maybe they have kind of a successful online store. Maybe they're fortunate enough to have a retail location, but with the prices being so high, a lot of small makers just can't. So we have a platform, multiple platforms, to be able to put them out in the public space and highlight them, give them appropriate marketing support. But we don't just end there and that's kind of what makes the collective differently we will also help them how do you vend how do you present your product how do you label your product do you have a sign do you have like almost anyone can put their stuff in front of people but only certain people can sell and it's it's getting everyone to be able to sell you know there's a very strong difference if you walk down a row of vendors and you see a vendor that is uncomfortable is sitting down, is hiding behind their booth, versus someone that knows how to hustle and sell their product. Everyone loves their product, they're passionate about it, they made it, it's their thing. But some folks just don't have that confidence, I don't. I could never sit in a retail situation and sell anything, I would have an anxiety attack and I would run out the door. <laughs> so like some people just aren't made for it, but then how do you help them? Hey, did you, do you wanna hire an assistant? You know, if you could increase your sales 30%, would it justify having someone in there to be able to get your product out more? Really interesting interaction that happened during uh, this this past October where we run the markets in downtown is I saw uh, – uh, you guys have had Ben from Van Fangs on. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh I saw Ben running from vendor to vendor picking up product for the store. So that's a whole different element of like, oh, so – local store owners are actually scoping the markets for new products that's
0: so cool so I would have never thought
2: yeah so I mean
1: for but me it's, it's a great sort like oh that cool niche thing that would look great in our store well you go to the guy
2: and it's it's all part of the you know I'm convinced everything fits you know everything's part of a, a, a system you know if I curate a good market, the local business owners can check out said markets and find new product. Those said business owners that do have the opportunity and good fortune to have a storefront can now highlight local creators that they met through this market, which supports them. So it's it's a it's symb- all, symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I feel it's, like it's all the fits s-
1: like the same vibe because and then people are coming to Salem. And I don't think anyone's I mean, they're looking for something, but there's a there, there, there's a vibe. And if everyone's sort of in tune with that, then everyone's like, oh, I loved it. I had a great time. I saw this mark. Oh, my gosh, it's available at Van Fangs. Right. Next time we go back, and it all fits.
2: I feel like as soon as, and I feel this way about everything, as soon as we start breaking down the silos and everyone starts kind of engaging, even, even if there is some some conflict or some competition, as long as we kind of know that we're all swimming in the same pool a little bit, Um, I think that that helps. Um, the most breakdown I've ever seen in any community is when folks live in silos. So the other thing that we do as an organization is we try our damnedest, even though I get a lot of eye rolls and a lot of frustration to break down the silos and say, Hey, I might drive you crazy, but if you work with me, I'm going to show you maybe some solutions. I feel like every major challenge and roadblock that either corporate America or municipalities run into could be solved with a creator if they just talk to the right creator and they listen. It's the listening part that doesn't happen enough.
0: (laughs) We all think differently, and Mm. uh, I think we all have something to contribute. Absolutely. So you started Creative Collective about six years ago now. Yep. How many members do you have currently?
2: I think as of last week, we might have hit 300. Wow.
0: And that's not just Salem, right? You're out no, yeah, in we, other communities.
2: Yeah, so it, it's it's a lot in Salem. This is where I started. This is where I came up with the whole concept and idea. Um, so Salem heavy, but we have members in Salem and Beverly and Lynn and Peabody. We actually have a handful of members up in Merrimack Valley, up in Lawrence, because we did some projects up in Lawrence. So it just helped once we were on the ground, engaging with them, supporting creative organizations and businesses and individuals doesn't need to be something that's that's locationally specific the other part of that which is interesting is all of these vendors and makers that we meet through these fairs they don't necessarily have an address that makes sense for a, a business program locally but because we don't really need a location to do what we do I've actually picked up a lot of members from New Hampshire or down on the Cape or, you know, if, if a maker comes through and they're like, we love what you do. We want a little bit of your support. They're like, how do we get more involved? And they just want information. They want a little bit of technical assistance. They want a little bit of resources. You know, is it a bummer that they can't show up to our meetup events? Sure. But they still get the support of their business. And every once in a while we'll have a bigger event and folks will come in from a little bit further and we'll throw something together.
0: I had no idea. I knew it was not solely Salem, yep. but I didn't know you reached that far. Yeah. That's fabulous.
1: Well, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I wouldn't say a lot. There's, if, if you're a, I don't know, a, a, an artist or a, a pin maker or you, you know, whatever you're, you're like that you're, you like that niche art thing is, you could live, you know, wherever. And if all you do are markets the weekend, you're driving, you know, to Worcester, to Boston, to to Salem, to Rhode Island, whatever, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're still local. You're still small Mm -hmm. business owned local driving. It's just.
0: You just got to commute a little bit, which we all, we all do in our jobs anyways. So
1: definitely.
2: And there's, you know, it's the same premise as a chef or a restaurant owner, as it's like, what is that thing that you're completely passionate about that you want to do? How can we remove the barriers for you to be able to do that? And that, that's cross-sectoral. We don't have a lot of like traditional corporate partners like you know, investment firms and stuff like that. But the ones that we do, and I'm going to give one blatant shout-out, Salem Five Bank is my bank. And they realized that there's this whole untapped world of small businesses that honestly no one was even taking seriously. I remember when Good Night Fatty started, Good Night Fatty didn't have that following and that presence at first. Uh And everyone was like, what is this thing? What is this thing with cookies? It was so
0: bizarre in an alley.
2: (laughs) And those type of folks, I mean, Jen and Eric, like that that entrepreneurial spirit of we have an idea, and it's a pretty friggin' solid idea, and you should kind of listen to us. And if you're not, you're going to regret that someday. And they just kept pushing forward, and it never stopped, you know. And And I'm sure
1: there's there's someone, I I don't know, their uh, banking history yep. but there's probably a bank out there and someone who's like shit
2: oh it happens <laughs> it miss, happens a lot it's that one yeah i mean uh, you think about you know back to to lex and ben and Vamp fangs i mean when they first came into town it was like oh what's with these vampires and what if you know anything about the breadth of you know ben and alexis's business acumen
1: <laughs> it is not
2: just that, I, you know.
1: I am, I am well aware. Right.
2: So, like, these are, like, the these are my people. You know, I don't care what you look like. I don't care that you have fangs or you believe in something that I don't believe in or I believe differently in or whatever. If you're, like, driven to do something cool and creative and entrepreneurial and you're constantly driving and striving and trying to figure out more and it's awesome how many of our members have, like, open second locations, you know, Emporium 32 is opening a second location. The Maison Vampire. And, like, it's all of this growth has been so amazing to watch. And, you know, I've also had discussions with these folks where they'll say, we went and looked at a property and they looked at us funny. Well, that's dumb because this is someone that I know can pay their bills. And not only that, but will thrive and won't panic next time you say rent's got to go up. So, like, why wouldn't you work with this person? Um I was told probably five or six years ago that just because I wear shorts every day, I'm never gonna make it in the business community. I mean, that was a challenge to me. So like at this point now never like that. I now you're like wearing those shorts
0: is a badge of honor.
2: Well, I I mean personally I just hate wearing pants. It's yeah. just the whole thing. But like I'm the exact opposite. I don't own shorts. Yeah. But like when that statement got made to me, I was like, I have and this was someone that I had solved problems for. This is someone that I had helped their business grow. And they literally said to me because of how I present myself, and I think that's why in our organization we've had such success with, you know, we have a drag queen that just happens to be a great small business owner. And I don't I don't care how you present yourself. Like And and I wish that more traditional business programs, and I will not call out anyone specifically, I wish they were more open and accessible and inclusive and all that kind of stuff. But that has to start at a bigger level. You have to want it. You You have to be able to look at someone and go, I don't quite get what you're talking about. But man, that does sound interesting, and yeah. like, like, what can I do to support you? And, and I think that's a part of the reason that business programs in general struggle. I think that's a part of the reason that the whole entrepreneurial world kind of crumbled and fell apart and didn't really stay a thing. It wasn't inclusive. It didn't, those people that have those really cool creative ideas, they don't look like everyone else. You know, and I think we're blessed in a city like Salem that you can walk down the street and no one really looks like anyone else. <laughs> right.
1: So we all look a little funny.
2: That is not the norm. Like, I work in other communities. Our, our openness, our willingness to, like, have someone sit at the table that maybe is non-binary or, or they're a different color or they're, like, here it's okay. Yeah, I mean, there's still some that it's not okay with and they just need to go away. But, like, for most, for the most part,
1: it's just another person in the room.
2: Walk around downtown Salem. We are, I mean, talk about a melting pot. And yeah, sure, a bunch of it is visitors. But, uh, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of folks. And I've talked to a lot of folks that have come through this city that have said, I'm here, but I don't really feel comfortable. Like, I don't hear a lot of that, which is wonderful. Mm hmm. Um, and I think that's a testament to all of us and how we, you know, when people come in, it's like, oh, hey, welcome. They you know? feel
0: they feel so like I, a part of the community. I was asked recently why folks, why why do I think people like to come to Salem to celebrate Halloween? Obviously, we have our dark history and our tourist industry that dates back several decades. But I think at the heart of it, like the root of it, people love Halloween because they get to be whoever they want to be and they can let down any barriers. They can just do what they want to do. But in Salem, that's year round. Like yeah. you walk down these streets and you can truly be whoever you want to be. Of course, you're always going to run into you know horrible people because right. that's just the way of life. But for the most part, as a community, I think Salem I, I feel very blessed to live in this I little bubble of ours because you are accepted no matter what you look like or what you want to do in life. People, right. There's going to be someone that believes in you.
2: And as frustrated as I do get with the city and municipalities, I mean, you do. Anyone that works a lot in any city, there's some frustrations. I feel exactly the same way, and I think that's a testament to, and you can see it in action when you see the growth of like our pride parade. You know, I, I, the people that just come out to celebrate pride, pride in being who you are and celebrating who you are and doing what you do. You know, I am, I am, I'm am not a gay man. I wait for pride every year just cause it's so awesome to just be able to see folks feel comfortable in their own skin and in their own space. And, and again, it comes back to their own space. Mm-hmm. You can I, feel, you can feel comfortable in your home, But out in public. But to know that you can walk down the street, and I mean, I I have seen the most amazing cross section of humanity in the streets of Salem for the past couple years, and like that's wonderful, and and get to know some of the folks because they're amazing humans, and you know, sure, do we have a small segment of the population that probably hates everything we're talking about right now? Absolutely, they they, they
1: probably hate,
2: but they're getting smaller and smaller, and that's okay. Yeah, you know. I,
1: I hired a tour guide this year, and uh, she would talk about the witch trials and, and sort of end it with like a little personal account of like acceptance and, and whatnot, which which was nice. but um, she's like, I remember the first time. So she's local to New England, but she hasn't lived here in, in a while. And she said that she remembers the first time she came to Salem, like as like as a teenager. And she's like, I wasn't like no one looked at me different. No one yeah. thought. I guess she came from a somewhat religious community and and these sorts of things. And she's like, no one. No one cared. And it wasn't that I was, like, accepted. It's just that I could just walk around. And I could just be. I could just be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that you know, I think that you, you touched on a little bit. I mean, my love for October. It's, it's the energy. It's, it's the creative energy. It's the ability for folks to just do whatever they want, show up however they want. You know, some folks, like the local street performers, they'll spend all year on a new costume or a new thing. And like, that's, that's the role that they want to play that month. And they want to bring joy to people. And like, I think part we, of,
1: we were asked, we did a the, the check-in a couple weeks ago and someone asked like, what, how do you get through it all? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like, now I'm thinking like, it's the creative spirit. It's like, everyone's here for the same party. And whether you're like, you got your, your kids dressed up. You've got a little witch hat. you got, like, a spooky Sanderson sister shirt. Everyone's, like, put in, like, a little bit of effort to just, like, have a little fun.
2: And, and the truth is, is if you don't, <laughs> yeah. if you don't put in that effort, if <laughs> if you, you, you like, will get swallowed out and spit out in October in Salem. <laughs> so, like, what's left by that last week, what's left by Halloween is is just sheer passion and will. Yeah. And, and so that that drive to be something special and different and, and be able to wear, you know, our street performers can show up any time of the year. I've seen them in February. I've seen them in June. I've seen, like, that's not a thing. But... That little bit of extra spark, that little bit of extra energy that you feel in October is so magical. And someone called me out for calling October magical the other day. And I saw. That, well, and, and, <laughs> and it's the, you know, I mean, we, we some some crap went down. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it like, was
0: like a, a fight? No, a bit uh, of a well, fight? Well, no,
2: like in our history. They were referencing...
0: The witch trials.
2: The Just witch
1: trials. Tragedy. Okay. Yes.
2: Okay. Um, and you know, I am not a historian. I did not come to Salem to have anything to do with history. It's not my. It's not my bag. It's not my cup of tea. I respect the story. I've listened. I've listened to scholars. I've like I. I get that, and I respect that. And and we did really dumb things, and and I, I understand that, and I think in some ways. We haven't learned all the lessons yet. I think we're going to continue to learn the lessons in time immemorial because that's just what happens, and humans have to keep growing and evolving and morphing and changing. Um, But that's not what October is to me. And I think, you know, as long as we're allowing everyone to have what they want out of it, some people do come here for the history. And I will agree with every Facebook page that I've seen if you really want an immersive experience in the history, don't come in October
0: a 100% true.
2: You know, cuz not even that you won't get it, you won't get the time, you won't get it's a different the energy, space. the space, you know, to be able to just sit and look at an exhibit for more than a minute and a half. You know, so if, if that's what you want, but if you if you want my comment back to the person that was frustrated with my comment about it being magical. Um you know, was how many people are able to come here in October and be educated or at least start to be That's educated.
1: That's what I say. That's it, yeah,
2: uh, yep. You know, because, <laughs> because you know, you don't know. I mean, I remember Salem as a kid, like most of the people my age, Salem as a kid was you go to Salem and you go to the Witch Museum. And at that point, it didn't really sink, but, like, those lessons still sunk in, and I was maybe, maybe immersed in that experience for, what, 20 minutes? Right. Right. You know, I wasn't coming here for a day-long symposium. That stuff's here if you want it. Just search it out, you know. But October for me is the creativity and the energy. and, And honestly, because of what we do, the ability for so many creative folks to have the opportunity to get in front of a consumer base that is unlike any consumer base ever anywhere. You know, for us to say that we saw an extra million people close to a million people <laughs> roughly in roughly, october and about. i think i think if you included the last week of september for food truck festival we would have hit oh, that yes. number Absolutely. so i'm gonna say a million people, a million people. <laughs> i'm gonna call it that um
1: you could say well over a million in september
2: and october right right 2022 one billion people <laughs> um no God, can but you like know? you know take a chance like show up Put your stuff out there. Let the world see it, because there is an active, engaged consumer audience that comes here in October that is willing to spend. You know, we got a ton of compliments on the curation of the market this year.
0: One of the best markets ever. The the fluidness, the fluidity of it, uh, how yeah. things were arranged, how things were organized—I, of course, have no idea—and you can shed a little light on this, the back end of putting those together. But it was fabulous this year.
2: It takes takes roughly about six hours to set up a Saturday. Wow! To make sure. So, so I'm just going to preface yeah. this
1: so everyone listening knows the Haunted Happenings Market. So, if you yeah. come to Salem in October on a Saturday, or Sunday for eighty percent of those events you are the puppet master of the whole thing so all the artists all the vendors all the setup all the space all the takedown all the coordination all of it so everything people like oh my gosh this was amazing thank you (laughs) yeah and I
2: mean one thing to understand if people want to have a little bit of sympathy you don't have to have a lot of sympathy for me it's just like I, I I was a caterer in a past life you go into an empty venue you leave it empty that is not easy you know, we leave our venues in the same shape we found them, if not better. And well, it's, that it's,
1: it's amazing because, so I'll, I'll, we give, obviously, tours, and so I pass through, we're in around Derby Square throughout yep. a day. And then all of a sudden, you, you'll be there, like, all day, and it'll be, like, my 8 or 9 o'clock tour, and I just come down towards the town hall, it's Gone. Yeah. It's gone.
2: And it's, it's back to that conversation of it being part of a, an ecosystem. You know, we learned this year that if we moved a couple of our tents, it not only helped the traffic flow, but it improved the ability for the tour guides to have their groups. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's two spaces right at the top of the stairs that towards the end of the month, if you notice, they weren't there anymore. Yeah. That was an intentional decision to be part of the system and not be our own thing placed in the way of everything else. So we do that. We do that in three different locations. The only days of the month that I don't manage are the Columbus Day Saturday or Indigenous Peoples Day Saturday and Sunday. The rest of the month, we manage three venues. We manage uh, Salem Common, Derby Square at Old Town Hall, and this year we actually activated Charlotte Fortin Park, which is a new park down by the Pirate Museum, which was amazing because it actually worked. Congratulations on that one.
0: So do you live... In town, yes. How long have you lived here?
2: Um, did I move here? It's about ten years ago now. I haven't. I'm not a lifer. Okay, not ten lifer. years is
0: a good chunk yeah. of time.
1: Where, where, where are you
2: from? Stoneham. Okay, not okay. too far. I haven't done a lot of traveling. I mean, I did Stoneham, Woburn. I was up in Rockport for a year. Um,
0: did you have a relationship with Salem before moving here?
2: Not really. I I knew of it, and I had come here, but not not really and i can tell you that before i moved here i had never done an october in salem wow i got i came in at like almost the perfect time for someone like me because i've been able to celebrate almost every year 1 to year 10 of every major cultural festival Film Fest, Arts Festival, Jazz Festival have all hit their tenure in the past three years, and I've hit my tenure in the past three years. So I I was able to come up with all of those, and now that I'm in a position to support them, I have such a soft spot for what they are, what they are for the economy, what they are for our well-being. So that was was interesting, and I didn't know it at the time that I had come in because I had kind of come in right around the same time that Mayor Driscoll had. And Mayor Driscoll put a lot of this stuff into play. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have a festival scene. We didn't have a lot of this stuff. Salem
0: has changed a lot in the last 10 years. It has.
2: Um, Do I think there's a lot of growth needed? Absolutely, especially in the cultural space. Always. I think it was very easy to fall in love with. Um, I can see why people move here. I can see why people get frustrated but I can also see why a lot of those people that get frustrated say that the frustration is, is is something they can deal with because they see the rest. And that's 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 an honest conversation of like, you know what, even for me, there were some moments in October I was like, what the, <laughs> like, this is tough. This is hard. Like, yep. And it's funny, I went into Gulu this morning and, you know, the owner, Steve, was sitting there and he comes out to me and goes isn't this nice? And I was like, it really is. Cause like my, my morning routine is typically to just go to Gulu and grab a coffee and do some emails and then come over to the office. I don't do that through October for the most part.
0: Because we can't.
2: <laughs> Cause you can't. Um, but I, I, I also, I know every single employee there and I know they made bank and they did really well and it was a tough month, but the business is in good shape and the, and the employees are in good shape, and Steve puts local art on the walls, and Steve hires local artists to do his, his programming, so, like, win-win, you know? Right. I'll deal with that. I would deal with that for three months if I had to, to know that the stability of all of these folks was in check.
1: I, I, I think Salem's, I, I don't know about unique, but it's got to be somewhat unique in, in the changes that we go through. Right, so so like I know a lot of places. If you live just in a, a normal place, I don't want to use that, but you know, yeah. right? Even if it's just like Somerville or Davis or Worcester or, or Rockport, they have a, you could go into your normal breakfast place almost every day, every yeah. weekend, and that's it. Here, it's gonna be a little different,
2: right? And I, I I have talked to. I, I,
1: I like that shake up.
2: I've talked to tourism professionals. I've talked to people from, you know, New Orleans and like other places that have this influx. We are unique. No one else really does it the way we do it because it's turned into a four to six week season. That's not like most of the other festivals or things that you see across the country. You know, people have been comparing us to Disney this year a lot the truth is, with, is with residents, right? The <laughs> truth is, is Disney sees, you know, double what we see in a day. Like it's not the same, you know. There was a there was a really interesting Facebook post at one point, and it, it was cross next to each other of what Salem is versus what Disney is. Like, stop comparing the two because they're nothing like each other. And the reality is, is our plight is a lot harder than Disney. We don't have. A good enough staff dedicated to, you know, if nothing else, I would love to see our light DPW, all of those folks like raised up in a parade and carried through the damn city because I work with them all month. The work that those folks do is unbelievably um, not seen because they're so damn good at it. The second you see a trash barrel that's over full, though, you'll have someone complaining about it. But what about the 985 trash barrels that were empty before that? As you can sense my frustration in this, like, we have a team that works really hard to provide an experience to everyone. Do I think there's room for improvement? Always. Would I love to see more programming? Would I love to see the month be a different kind of production? Absolutely. But I don't know one person in the entire city that doesn't give everything they can to get through October somewhat unscathed and give people as good of an experience as they can. I just I wish folks would be a little more patient with that,
0: especially this year with our record numbers.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I watch these guys from 5 a.m. in the morning until I went home and then there's crews that work overnight, you know, street sweeping, all the things you don't see fixing electrical issues, moving barriers to keep people safe. Ray from the DPW, I saw him in his little bobcat, moving all those jersey barriers that we got made for outdoor dining, and, and, you know, 5 a.m., whipping around the city, making sure that we're safe and making sure that we're protected. And
1: I remember one Saturday, maybe, maybe the second week, third weekend, I don't know, it was a Saturday, I'm just making that up. So we, we walk around, and I just, all of a sudden, there were, barriers put out they were all staged in like yep. not secret locations but they were just off the side
2: not and the most obvious location no no yeah. they,
1: they weren't and i was like this is clearly their prep i think it might maybe so the week before halloween or they were they were yep. prepping for something and he's like if you pay attention there's always like i we see the do you see the trash guys
0: oh yeah all yeah, yeah.
1: There's all a, they're just driving um, up there we go emptying yep. it keeping going and it's like yeah you're gonna find some shitty people who just, like, pile trash in, like, the most ridiculous places. But if you start putting your trash in the bins, those are going to be emptied, and they're going to be emptied regularly. Porta-potties are cleaned. The the, the streets are tidied. And uh, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and I would say, I mean, if, if, if you have tourists that listen to this podcast, just like everyone else locally, just be patient. We're trying to figure it out. You know, we're trying to do the best we can and we're trying to give everyone, everyone that I know is trying to provide the best experience possible.
0: Salem has seen a huge surge in the last couple of years, um, especially post-COVID. Like you said, we've hit the ground running and it hasn't calmed down yet and it's going to take time for the city and for all of us to be able to accommodate that and find the best ways to do so.
2: I think one of the things that we don't talk enough about in general is the collective trauma of COVID and the fact that we as a people as a as a world haven't really dealt with that trauma. And so, you know, I also have a I also have some patience when someone comes in and they're a little entitled or they're a little douchey for lack of a better term you know it's like we all just went through a lot and I don't know that we've figured out how to make the world be such a place that deals with healing and and wellness and you know I'm the worst at taking care of myself but like I see the world still kind of in pain all you have to do is look at youth look at anyone that's a teenager or or you know eight years old to 18 years old and they're all like there's something going on in my heart and my head and I don't know what it is and it's like well you just had a death you just had a trauma for two years and I think that part of why Salem is popping so much is we look like that escape. You know, you have pride, you have Halloween, you have all of these festivals and these, we are a place that people come to get away and to feel better and to be able to be. That's a huge thing that we don't talk about a lot. And that's a responsibility on us. It's also a weight on us. But I've seen it. I've seen how many people come to Salem and they're like, I just, I just want to feel, just want to feel okay. My kids are struggling. The school systems are a mess. Housing's a mess. All of this stuff's a mess. I just want to feel okay. Where can I go to just feel okay? Salem seems pretty cool. Let's go to Salem. We can do. We can, we can do a day trip, and then they get into trouble. You know what I mean? Like so, you can because you what... and
0: ten, right, 30,000 other people are thinking the same thing. Right,
2: and I and I hope that you know our mayor is most likely going to be our next lieutenant governor, which is great. I hope whoever is next as our mayor listens to some of this and says we we do have a responsibility and maybe we do need to lean a little bit heavier on our budget to take care of when folks show up and a little bit more in our budget to cater to the locals, you know? I mean, obviously there's a lot of locals that are frustrated with October. It's a frustrating month, but... What about all these other things that they love throughout the course of the year? How can we support jazz festival and film festival and arts festival and heritage days and all these things that the locals embrace, how do, we, how do we grow those? How do we not silo all of that and make sure that everything's kind of working as a system and it's it's refreshing there are conversations I know Peabody Essex Museum is working their butt off to try to be better with civic engagement and getting the community more involved and doing things outside of their space great that's awesome Salem State's trying to do the same thing we were just invited to have a conversation about what's next for Salem State and how do we how do we be better Salem partners and civic partners instead of a campus Campuses can be dangerous because campuses can cut off the rest of the world. Conversations happening with North Shore CDC and, and and Punto and how do we get this to go both ways? You know, Punto has this beautiful beautiful urban art museum and all these murals and all this programming, and then there's the downtown.
1: And they're they're, they're not even a hundred yards away from each other.
2: Right. So how do we start to how do we really start to integrate? The, the 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 seams of all this into making the solid the solid piece of fabric honestly now this is all getting very deep but like this is this is the core of a lot of why i do what i do i've seen in communities where it works um i'm very excited i've always said that salem is really really good and like one percent away from great and all of these things that we're discussing are doable there's nothing I'm saying that's not doable, you know, with the right conversations, with the right people in leadership, with all of it's doable. So does it sound a little hippy-dippy and out there? Absolutely. But you know what? We're all creators. This is what we do. We want the world to, to see these beauties that we all see. And I know because I see it, so many creators out there just want us to feel better, and not feel so much pain, and not feel so much struggle and strife. It's hard to live. It's hard to afford to be anywhere right now. You know, you can say, yeah, Salem housing prices, whatever. Lynn's more expensive than Salem is right now. And so that's a that's a direct product of gentrification. That's a direct product of some issues that have happened there. Are they working on it? Absolutely. The new administration in Lynn is, is crushing it. But I, I think that, you know, us as a people leaning into... How do we treat if you look at back at the Renaissance, you know, creators were, were, were touted as, as almost gods, like at that point, like you can make stuff out of thin air. How can you do that? I feel like now we're more afraid of it than honoring it. And I, I would love to see a flip in that mentality. If you talk to anyone from mass cultural, mass creative, any of these foundations that support arts and culture, they're like, "Why isn't it working? These are the people that are creating the solutions. These are the people that are making us feel better. This is what we go to when things are bad. This is and yet this industry is still the lowest on the totem pole as far as value proposition.
1: Yet we still had a million, nearly a million people right. come to Salem.
2: Right. And, and
1: they all wanted to just be and fun and create and shop and right. artists and stores and museums and all of that is creator-driven.
2: And and how many of those workers and employees that are doing that can afford to live here? Not enough. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's a part of the overall equation that we all need to really look internally. Like, I think in 2023, my mission is always going to be trying to figure out how do we get the creators on an evil playing field to everyone else. Um, but at the same time, I think if we're... If we're really trying to create that sense of belonging for everyone, that includes, you know, it's not just a race thing. It's an economic disparity thing. It's an age thing. It's it's all of those things. All of those things impact who we are as a people. We're in a bubble. You have a business that caters to this and you do okay you work in a business that caters to this and it's okay i have figured out a way to make what i do even though i work with creative folks work because what i did i do i took in more than creative folks (laughs) but i took in folks that partner with creative folks so in my mind i've made the justification
1: so uh talk about the uh houdini thing briefly um so a year and a half ago right just about yep uh got the city to to name the alleyway where I start my tours, Houdini Way. And then I tried to get a street sign and the city's, that's another issue. And uh, I tried to get signs in the buildings and those property managements weren't okay with that. And then in October, that road, for those of you taking a tour with me, is closed and you can see and there's a big barrier that says Houdini Way. And as a member of the Creative Collective, I was like, John, how do I get this (laughs) to say what this is. And right. you're like, I got it. And I was like, what? He's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And, like, you took care of the the, the DPW, the, the barrier, the placement, hiring the artist, uh, contracting them out, paying them, the design. And, like, I I'm sure I could have done all of that. But, like... The ability for us to work together to do that, you have the resources and the knowledge of who to go to, who to contact, the creator, the artist, those people, and put everything together to make it happen. I was like,
2: damn. But that, that you know, like I said earlier, my role is to remove barriers for you doing what you do. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. You give great tours. <laughs> I'm going to remove that barrier so you can keep doing your tours. You shouldn't be bogged down with that. Like that that realistically isn't something that you should be bogged down with. You know? So if someone can't figure out how to take their store online, let me figure out who can help you with that so you can keep making the things that you make and like
1: No, it was absolute I was like I was like this is so I didn't have to I I knew the person with the I don't I don't have the tools. Right. So Either you have the tools, or you know who does have the tools. And this,
2: I mean, this whole business was started from that place. I was just very frustrated, you know. I don't know if we're like super long on time, or you want to take the time to do that. Go for it. So, so John, um, yes.
1: What did you do before this?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for asking, Jeff. Um, So interestingly enough, before I even get there, when I right out of high school, because this is a little earlier in the story, my first journey out of high school was to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting because I wanted to be a DJ
0: oh no way yeah
2: so like this whole microphone thing like I did have a creative collective podcast at one point I just haven't had the time for it so this is very exciting for me but I literally went to school to do this
1: so, so, okay, i got to ask you that. Yeah. Do, do you have, like, a, did you have a name? Did you like, <laughs> No,
2: no, no, I never got there. You never got <laughs> there? never got there. Like,
1: did you ever, like, come up with, like, anything written down on paper that you liked?
2: I had a very well-known DJ come into the class from WFNX and basically tell us, you're not going to be Opie and Anthony. You're uh-huh. not going to be Howard Stern. Uh-huh. You're going to make $12 an hour for the next 15 years. So if you don't love this, with every ounce of your being, don't do it. And I come from a family that they wanted me to make a living. So it scared me away instantly. And then when podcasting became a thing, and I was like, I can do this myself almost for free in my (laughs) office. That's awesome. And I will pick it up again. But that was just a small story of where I come from. Um, So I I was a chef for a long time. I was a a, a pretty high-end wedding chef for a big stretch of that. Um, Used to manage... Four to five events a week. You know, hundred weddings a year, multiple venues. Part of my history with Salem, which is pretty funny. I used to be one of the guys that would lead all the events at Hamilton Hall, so I did have that kind of relationship. Um, So when I see you know events in there now, I'm like peeking in the kitchen, (laughs) trying to see who's doing what. So I was a I was a wedding chef for a while. I loved it. It was it was great. Again, I'm, I'm kind of one of those in-service-for-people type guys anyways, so like that was me being in service for people, and I loved cooking. Did that for about 16 years. Opened my own little bistro and wedding uh, catering company in Peabody, which was great. Loved it, uh, but that was 2008. 2008 is when the economy went to crap, yep. so I lost pretty much everything overnight. I ran it for almost two years, pretty successfully, but a lot of my clientele was either high-end weddings, which when the economy crashed, stopped, and municipal employees who couldn't even afford to buy gas at that point. So I lost all my business. So my salesman from that business actually happened to be the owner of Victoria Station.
1: Rest in peace. R.I.P.? R.I.P.
2: So I got brought into Victoria Station to help them kind of bring it back to life. It hadn't made the transition from we were a chain into an independent restaurant yet, so I kind of helped with that. When I started was like basically the week we started um, the thought process and build-out of this, the new bar. When the boathouse finally opened, that was part of us. Did that for uh, two years. It was great. The business, the restaurant, the restaurant life, the restaurant scene really beat me up. I think it does um, as
0: it does to all to of us. Yeah.
2: And if there's one thing I can say at this point, I'm very, very happy that I did not have to be part of the restaurant scene through COVID because bless them all. My, my, my was
1: brother hard. was, and yeah. uh, he just, he got the ship beat out of him. And uh, he, he that, that's when he threw the towel in. Yeah. I think he'd, he'd been a chef, head chef, sous chef, ran restaurants, I, can't, I don't even know I can't count 10 12 years and he has got like knife tattoos and yeah. the whole, whole nine and he said I, he just he just couldn't anymore yeah and uh, to be fair he went then he worked another job a part-time job like cooked part-time for this other thing and in the past like two years he's getting his degree in IT like next week he's graduated yeah. but he was like he just couldn't
2: so as hard as it was one of the things that I learned, Was the importance of once again the creative community? You know, when I came into Salem, it was kind of in the last days of Dodge Street, which was our only like rock and roll bar. There were some things happening downtown, but there wasn't really a scene. Scene. It was kind of in the in between. There used to be a scene. There wasn't a scene. Was there going to be a scene again? Type of thing. Mm -hmm. So we leaned in really heavy to as much as much inclusion of arts and culture in our business as we could. Um, whether it was open mics or um, every time we would do some sort of, like, a beer kickoff. We would also have an art show Uh, at one point, which was one of my favorite things, and I'll probably never get to do it again, but um, Salem Theater Company, which was our theater, our namesake theater company at the time, they were doing a production of Hair, and we actually invited them um, the weekend before they opened to come and do a sit-in during lunch, so they came in and did the whole, like, let the sun shine in, and they did yeah. a sit-in in the middle of, like, people's lunch service. That's great. Um, at Victoria Station, right in oh, the dining right, the room. Oh, at the restaurant, okay. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, that was one of my highlights of, of Salem. And, and it, it worked. Like, people were, like, buzzing. And, you know, I have a pretty good handle on marketing. It was when Facebook and everything was free. I think it was actually before Instagram was even out. And we, we figured out how to put it on the map. And the food was good. And the bar program was solid. So we kind of had all those pieces. And, and, you know, at the time, the owner was like, whatever we need to do to make it work, as long as the bar sales are good, you can play with stuff. Great. So we experimented with a ton of stuff. Like, we had an open mic. Uh, the musician's name that runs it is uh, Nick Kinsone. He's awesome. He still gigs around. He's actually married to one of the Moody sister is from Moody's Gifts. Okay. Yeah. So small little world there. But instead of just like doing an open mic, he was also exploring new technology. So we were doing an open mic and everything was going up on YouTube. So we were able to promote through that as well. So we were building this new audience. It was really great. It was a give back to the creators because they didn't have videos of themselves. So We were trying whatever we could to make this work. And that was the time period that I got to know everyone. I got to know the mayor. I got to know the chamber. I got to meet everyone. I met a whole bunch of artists. It was great. And then I just got really burnt out, and I couldn't do it anymore. So when I left Victoria Station, and I always have to give him credit, George Carey, who's the owner of Finns and Sea Level, at the time it was just Finns, was like, hey, I don't want you to work in a kitchen for me, but everything that you were doing with programming and marketing, he's like, can, can you give that to me? And I was like, yeah. I mean, we had a really good relationship. We had done partner events together. Um, and so he brought me in, and we started doing some crazy cool stuff at Finn's. And I remember one night we, we did a hip-hop night. And, like, they didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> it was great, but they didn't know what to do with it, you know. So we we, we played with that for a little while. Um, that started building up his bar scene a little bit. Um, then I had a friend that ran 43 Church before it was Turner's, and we were doing some really cool stuff over there. Um, one of the coolest events we ever did over there we had a we would just have a black and white proje- uh, screen with a projector and play old public domain movies, and this three piece band would live score.
0: Oh, that's great! Like
2: like the whole like sound effects and everything, which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. That was totally fun. So, but I was kind of floundering as a small business. I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was a chef for. 18 years I don't I don't know how to run a business I don't still don't know if I really know how to run a business I don't think, I don't think
1: any of us yeah, know how to run a business I'm always
2: figuring it out it's okay. you know um, so but I was immersed in Salem at that point you know I was in love I was already in love with Salem at that point at that point I had gone to my first jazz festival you know I had picked up my camera because I needed to do some photos of food and stuff so I was like re- I did uh, photography in high school, but I hadn't done it since. So I was kind of like refining all of these creative tools that I had, because if I could do it in house, people would pay me for it. So I just keep training myself, and I would show up at everything with my camera. I mean, for probably five six years, you never saw me without my camera attached to me.
1: Or, or more than one.
2: I've had more uh, than am one I before. That up? Yeah. Nope. I, okay. I, I, depending <laughs> on the gig, like I might have two.
1: Yeah, I remember it's four or five years you always said like whenever I see you out there dual was, cameras yeah yeah
2: they yeah. yeah. believe me my shoulders hate me now <laughs> so you know that just made me fall more and more in love with the city but I, I just I just couldn't figure out the business model and people instead of embracing it were seeing me as a threat like why are you doing this why are you promoting this like you're getting in the way of my business model because we weren't we weren't what we are now. I mean, this was still eight years ago, where everyone was trying to figure out what we were gonna be, you know. And again, to give to give Mayor Driscoll credit, she's the first person that ever hired me to do a headshot, ever. Oh. Yeah, it was the. It was just. It was just. She was like, <laughs> I, "I want you to do it," and I was like, "Okay." So. All of these things really made me like, okay, so I see the connection, but like, man, none of these restaurant owners want to pay these musicians. None of these, or their, their, their percentage for the bar was so high that it was unrealistic. You know, and we're making sacrifices to the programming. Um, but I did find a happy, kind of a happy space with like event production. Like, you know, we used to do events upstairs at 43 Church, now Turner's. That I kind of got, but still I was like, okay, but I'm killing myself for like three months for this event and I'm walking away with like a thousand bucks. This isn't a business model, you know? Right. I'm not good at sales, so I'm not good at like sponsor asks and stuff like that. So I think it was about 2013, something like that, uh, maybe 2014, I had been working with a writer locally just because she was cool. That's it. She's a mom, you know, married, whole thing. But I was like, "You're kind of cool, and I love your stories." And this is what I do. And so we'd feature on the website and stuff like that. Well, her husband ended up being um, one of the co-founders in a pretty, pretty well-known tech firm that just happened to randomly be based above Front Street Coffee House, and no one knew it. So he saw Dribbble. I don't know if you know Dribbble. Oh, okay. Dribbble is kind of Pinterest for high-end designers. Oh, okay. So folks from Facebook will go to Dribbble to find a designer. Okay. So they sold the company, and one of the co-founders was just a really nice guy and said, I see you struggling. I was about to give up. I was so frustrated with Salem. I was like, I'm going to go back to being a chef. He's like, yeah, but you're doing something that no one's doing. So, like, don't give up on it yet. I had tried partnering with the chamber. I had partnered. Like, I, I just couldn't figure out where my happy place was. Um, and so he said to me, he goes, well, what, what have you always wanted? And I said, I've always wanted a creative chamber. I've wanted a business program that leans into creative folks, not necessarily your traditional businesses. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, I don't don't know how to do it, you know. So he basically gave me enough money to hire one person for one year. And he said, the number one thing you need is help. He goes, you have the brain, you'll figure it out, but you need help. You need someone to take care of the stuff that you just don't, you're not good at taking care of.
0: And you are just one person.
2: (laughs) And I am just one person. So, and my, my dreams and visions and hopes are never small. So, like, to live up to those things that I wanted to do was a lot. So I hired someone, and, you know, he hand-carried me through the process of actually opening a business the right way because the first time around, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just thought I had to put everything through my checking account. Like, that was great. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, Yeah. Every time someone would just ask me, like, so who do I make the checkout to? I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe me i have a business name but i don't really know that you're supposed to write checks to a business name because i never registered the business oh yeah i had no idea and i think that's why i have such a soft spot for these like really really upstart entrepreneurs that just don't get it because just because you have the skill and the drive and the talent doesn't mean that anyone ever told you how to open a business and, like, I love taking people under my wing at this point because of everything I've learned.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I've just – I misfiled pretty much all my taxes last year and was on the phone with the IRS for, like, six hours yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like – but at least I know, like, how to – I had no idea.
2: <laughs> no one taught me that stuff in school. And, and, you know, I was told, just like so many other kids – you're not going to make a living as a creator, you know, as an artist, as a whatever, as a musician. I was, I was in chorus. I was in drama. I did all those things and there was no path there, you know? And so that was the other thing that I really wanted to do is like figure out how I could support someone that's new, you know, and whether it's through me or programs like E4ALL or the Enterprise Center, we now know who we can send folks to, to do that basics and once you've got the basics in check, come back to me. Like that's kind of how how we operate at this point. Um, so that was kind of how the collective was born. It started. It started with about forty members, folks that I had built relationships with all along. The restaurants that I'd worked with, uh, you know, that obviously wasn't sustainable at all. But it, it kinda worked. And then I leaned back into my event space. You know, I started throwing my first Halloween thing that I did. We threw a big party at Ames Hall. I mean, must have been eight, nine years ago now. And, you know, we happened to know through a relationship of ours, the keyboardist from P Funk, and he came in and did a thing and we worked with local photographer and we had backdrops made and we it was really cool. It was a great event. I also, like, there's not a lot of money in events like that unless you do them at such a scale that's crazy. Um, So that was was the nexus of it, and it's changed and morphed and transformed, and I thought I had a really, just like most, I thought I had a really good handle in 2019 of what we were going to be. I had a plan. 2020 was all laid out. We had great contracts. We were ready to go, and then COVID hit, and just like everyone else, I lost 85% of my revenue overnight, and I had no idea what to do. I panicked. I didn't sleep for a couple weeks. It was very tenuous because I don't have a lot of stable businesses in my program either because I lean into creators and upstarts. So I was like, what do you do? Right. I lost all my events.
1: Outdoor dining.
2: I have members. That was an interesting journey. So I have all these events that are canceled. I have all these members that have no idea what to do with themselves. I'm panicking. I'm freaking out. And I I started just talking and listening to to the members and listening and saying, hey, what – where are we at and what do you need, you know? And we started getting some feedback of, I can't figure out this PPP thing. I can't figure out how to do this. I can't figure out how to get online. I can't, okay, well, we know all that. You never really used us that way because you didn't know you could, but like, let's lean into that. The one interesting thing and two, po- two re- money, no, but two real positives came out of COVID for us. Number one, we finally got put In the category of economic development, which was huge because everyone didn't look at me like that at all because I wear shorts every day and they don't see the economy being driven, but I do.
0: What did they consider you? Like what category would you have been in? Arts and
2: culture. Okay. Arts and culture, which I've never really seen myself as. I've always seen it as workforce development and economic development. And then I discovered the word consultant which we had never called ourselves, I had never branded myself, I had never gone for consultancy gigs, and in a series of weird, fortunate events, you know, our our Main Street's director was on maternity leave, our special events director for the city that would do something like outdoor dining was on bereavement leave, and the mayor wanted outdoor dining in like a week. And I have all that experience in restaurants, so I understand what they're going through. I now had all that experience in activating outdoor spaces. So we started out with just the outdoor dining and making sure that it could happen. And I think in April, before really anyone else got it, we already had like 25 activations ready to go. And then I was fortunate enough to say, well, they're all pretty ugly. So what <laughs> can let's we do make about them pretty. it? Let's, right. let's get all
1: the barriers painted um, and you knew all the artists.
2: And so like that project as a whole hit every bucket that I like to hit. We got artists paid in a time where they weren't getting paid. I didn't get a ton of them paid, but we got at least a handful of them paid. Um we were supporting the small local businesses, we were supporting the downtown economy. We created a marketing campaign out of it because it was like, come to Salem. It's like an outdoor mural festival with Jersey barriers, like all these artists, which was something Destination Salem was able to lean into. The press picked up on it. um, And it really, it kind of snowballed into everyone was like, okay, how do we get Jersey barriers? How do we get them painted? Which was great because that project then went to Lynn and we did the same thing in Lynn. And Peabody didn't end up doing outdoor dining, but they love the idea of having outdoor art to get people to move through the downtown. So in Peabody, we did it on windows. And it's funny because I was at a restaurant in Peabody last night, and they still have it on the window. This was in 2020.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. So two
2: years later, the uh, it's, it's a Mexican restaurant that's downtown. They still have their... Um, inhale tacos, exhale negativity <laughs> on, on their window. And that's from our COVID campaign. So.
1: I mean, I think the, the Salem outdoor dining, I mean, I know everyone's experiences is, is with COVID around wherever is, is different, but like, man, I have people like, Oh, COVID is this. I'm like, I don't like, I haven't been out in, in, in months. I haven't been anywhere in months. I haven't done anything in months. So it's was like, I walk into my downtown And there's 30 restaurants with, you know, COVID safe outdoor dining areas and facilities. And I'm like, this is, I know this is not the norm, but it's, I was like, this is so cool. And it was fun. It was creative and it's artistic. And uh, I think, and there's still, there's still significant amount of outdoor dining here. And I'm I'm curious
2: to see what happens because all of the emergency restrictions end before this spring. Uh-huh. Um, there will be no extension, from what I've heard. And the actual process is very intensive. You know, if you're going to get a parking spot, you got to go in front of city council. There's legal. There's parking. Um, the ABCC, you know, had been basically giving everyone a pass. They will not give them a pass. So if you want to actually do outdoor dining legally and officially – it's going to be a really hard journey for a lot of these businesses, and I don't think you're going to see as much in the future, which is unfortunate. That's
1: disappointing.
2: Um, I know the mayor would like to see it, mm-hmm. you know, continue, but it's just it's a huge, huge expense. And to do it right, to make sure that everything's accessible, to make sure that everything, you know, flows well, you know, there's supposed to be delineation between any alcohol being served in the public. How do you do that? Um, every single activation, like if you go in, I don't know if you know this, but if you go into a restaurant and there's like multiple different areas, every area needs to have at least 10% handicap accessible. So an outdoor dining, even if there's indoor accessibility, the outdoor still needs to have 10% accessibility as well.
0: And for a place like Salem that has, you know, centuries old streets and cobblestone. Yeah.
2: You know, so... I don't know what's going to happen with that, but that kind of opened the door to what consultancy was, Mm -hmm. and that saved us in a lot of ways because the events didn't come back fast. Yeah, that's kind of my journey from being a wedding chef to where I am today.
0: And now you are, dare I say, a very important person in town. I mean,
2: I don't think so, but I appreciate that.
1: I mean, let's. (laughs) what happens if we take you out of this scenario, John? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Things, things would not
2: happen. I'd like to hope that someone would take up the mantle a little bit. You know, I, I, worry about, I worry about our creative community a lot. I do. I'd love to see more funding. I'd love to see more support. I'd love to have the conversation of why this is economy and not arts. It's both, but it's only talked about as arts. I see the where the intersections of all these industries lie and that's why salem works you know there is the creators there are the entrepreneurs there are the small business owners there are the institutions there is a municipality there is tourism there but, like,
1: th- but everything works like you got a you got a small arts you got the arts fest and people come and they park and they pay the meters and they go to the restaurants and they pay the food and they pay the taxes and the property owners and the landlords and everything's all working together
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's taken time. It's taken time. I will say, unfortunately and fortunately, COVID was the best team building exercise that you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, My friendship slash relationships with tourism and Main Streets and the Chamber and the Enterprise Center and the partnership. And, you know, we were in weekly meetings every single week to figure out how do we get Salem through this and that, that I've come out of that with such a stronger respect and understanding um, for so many folks. I think, you know, you could say what would happen if you weren't there. I could say the same thing about Kay Fox. What would happen if Kay Fox wasn't here? You know, I, I, I know what she does. I know how much she cares about this community. I know how much she cares about making sure everyone's okay through it. There were so many restless, hard nights and days through COVID being like, how do we do this? How do we get people to not close their businesses? How do we get people safety gear? How do we get, like, like all of us sat at a table and said, we need to figure this out. And Salem's a better for it. I mean, we came out of COVID in a lot better than a lot of communities. And now we're just trying to figure out with, like, how the hell do we deal with where it, we are now
0: the onslaught yeah. of people
2: nearly
1: a million people
2: about. yeah and i'm i'm hoping that i'm hoping that these conversations about what salem needs to be to keep up with this volume and honor its residents and honor its businesses and honor you know our our our, our people's own houses and students and you know i'd love those community conversations to continue I don't want to go back to silos. I don't want to go back to, like, scrambling to just find out what's going on anywhere about anything. It's hard. It makes everyone's job harder. Um, do I know that we'll get there? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard in any municipality. They just don't operate the same way as, as the private industries do, you know. Um, you know, when they're at their 40 hours and they call it a day, you know, we're just starting the week. <laughs> Right. (laughs) You know, and that's okay. I mean that's 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 life choices and profession choices and that's I respect both of them, but it doesn't always land in the same place as far as conversations go. So I have hope for twenty twenty three. I think that not only does Salem need Salem to survive, one of my interesting starting to go down that rabbit hole a little bit this year is what economic impact does Salem have on the region. Good luck finding a hotel within 20 miles, which means all those folks still go out to eat. That same restaurant in Peabody that I was in just last night said that their sales were up 30% this October in Peabody.
0: Wow. And it's
2: all overflow. Yeah. It's all spillover. So it would be really bad, not just for us, if we don't figure out a way to manage this better that doesn't piss so many people
1: off. I think a lot of people would be surprised... The amount of people, so on. If you look at the social medias, right? Like, we got the you know, these fake visit Salem Facebook groups, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, I'm coming for a week, we're doing this, but we're staying in somewhere else. Right. XYZ. I had, and I, I don't know the statistics, but you'd ask, and you'd ask too, Oh, where is everyone coming from? How long are you here for? I had a lot of people like on a Friday, we're just here for the day. They're not even staying for the weekend. Or we just took the ferry in for a few hours. We're staying in Boston. We just took a quick day trip. Like they're in the region for a while, but like Salem's on the list of things to do. And they're coming here and they're doing all this stuff. But you're like, if you're staying in Boston for in your only, oh, we're going whale watching. We're going there's
2: And Boston, Boston didn't do great through COVID. So, you know, again, I, I don't. I don't necessarily want to minimize what we do, and I don't think we can at this point. I think the cat's out of the bag. I think that ship sailed. Like, I think we're going to continue to grow a little bit. It may plateau, but I don't see a lot less anytime soon. We just need to figure out how to manage it better. We need to figure out how to be a more cohesive system and unit going into the crazy, because it's not just October, you know? I mean... The scale and scope and growth of Salem So Sweet in the middle of February this past year was mm-hmm. insane, you know. And that's the middle of February, so I'm looking forward to it this year. I, 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 hope I was going to say the, uh, December,
0: the winter yeah, time. The winter We're markets. seeing yeah. you know an increase of people visiting for that
1: too.
2: I, I, I want the Chocolate Fest. I want the. Ball. And then you know, and and it's hard because then there's just that question of where does the funding come through and these sheer exhaustion, you know. I have grand visions and plans what i would love to see in december here i mean there's just so much possibility there's so much opportunity but it's it's i it will take me through probably mid to late november to feel completely caught up mentally from october and so how much planning can you do in two weeks
1: as as someone who, who spent some time in england for anyone who doesn't know <laughs>
0: gosh jeffrey every episode that he brings up England. Made,
1: so you would roll your eyes at me. Um, they they have no Thanksgiving, right? Right. So they go from Halloween, and it, there are already stores now decked out for Christmas already. The Christmas markets, yeah. the German holiday markets, will be starting, and they have tree lightings, and all this kicks off in mid-November because they got nothing stopping them. Right, right over here, we're like, oh, we got to have Thanksgiving first, and then like that's our sort of Black Friday. They are already like downtown London. You know, some of the big lights. Everything's starting to go on the next week or two.
2: Part and of I'm part like of, Salem. Could
1: <laughs> hold on though, because
2: You'd probably hate me for saying. No, we've tried. I will tell you. So in in 2021, Kylie from Main Streets and and myself, we got some grant money and we did what we called Winterlude, and it was you know the 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 paintings on the windows. The love letters to Salem, all that oh, kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. The backdrops that were in multiple places, the extra twinkly lights on the pedestrian mall. Those are
1: cute. You guys went through yep. and You had the timer for the yep. mall.
2: Yeah, we hand programmed every single string of yeah, lights yep. on all thirty-eight poles. That was something else. But what we really discovered was our consumer base is not that hardy. They will not hang out outside. <laughs> that's not it's not like like I feel you I think the whole like like they do in Boston that the, they build out the sheds and they do the whole thing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I would kill to do that here in a couple different locations but every time we've tried it even sounds so sweet when it gets real cold folks just don't they, they don't buy into it as much here as they do overseas no definitely well and
0: no. the weather's a little yeah. more yeah. moderate
2: we, we can yeah I mean I've seen some Salem, Salem so sweets
1: well I mean like I love and I'll, I'll say this over and over again I, I do feel I don't feel bad uh, I love a little bit of harmless chaos and I love it when it's like 50 degrees and the ice sculptures are just like
0: <sighs> well that's the thing though as soon as the temp goes up you're gonna get people but, from surrounding communities but everyone coming in
2: comes out. Well, that's, that's, and you know, that's Kylie's, Kylie's lack of sleep every year is, oh, it's 68 degrees, there's 5,000 people, but none of the ice sculptures lasted beyond noon. Darn. So, like, what do you, what do you even do with that, right. you know?
1: You go shopping, you have yeah. fun. You know, I, I saw last year, it, w- it was warm last year.
2: Yeah, last I saw, year it was gorgeous.
1: Um, uh, Congressman Malton out, yep. just with his kids, just watching the ice sculptures, and they're just hanging out, yep. and I'm like... You, you wouldn't quite get that. I mean I'm sure he comes out but it's just like he was just there with his kids hanging out right. and like that that's clearly what people are doing right And I love it.
2: And that's a that's a huge you know again, that's a huge festival, huge expense you know that it's not a revenue generator for really anyone but the small businesses And you know that's one thing I would say to all the small businesses is like when these opportunities come up, to be part of it or sponsor things like, and this is my plea. I saw post COVID a lot of businesses saying we don't really need to sponsor these cultural festivals because we're doing just fine or we spend so much money in advertising. It's desperately needed. It's the festivals need the support of the small businesses or it's just not going to work, you know, and they do drive the economy. They do drive folks here. They do, you know, I get that everyone's pretty steady and pretty busy, but if, if we stand any chance of paying your neighbor who happens to be the musician in that band at that festival, the, the funds have to come from somewhere.
1: And we all know the weekend before and the weekend after, fine. Right. That right. weekend everyone's here. They're here for a reason. Right.
2: Chip in. And, you know, there's, not, there's no direct funding in most cities. This isn't a Salem-only thing. There's no direct funding to these festivals from the city. Like, the city doesn't pay to put on these events. This is usually completely volunteer-run organizations that are killing themselves for months to put together a festival. Like, embrace it. Help where you can. If you can't give money, volunteer. Like, whatever you can do, make sure you put the poster up somewhere in your business that folks can see it. Tell them to come back. Like, do whatever you can because... I have seen almost every festival in the city almost collapse because it's just all volunteer-driven and there's not enough money.
0: And we would all be up in arms if the festivals went away. Yep,
2: because they, they, nobody really gets the back end, you know. Um, and COVID made it. The, the, the kind of momentum that folks might have had going into 2019, wow, sponsorships are up. This is great. We might be able to stay in the festival. Maybe someday someone could get paid. All of that died with COVID and festivals didn't fit any of the qualifications for grants. You know, there's mass cultural has a festivals grant. It's $2,500, $2,500 nowadays doesn't pay for rental of, of two speakers and a microphone. So like, that's not, that's not going to work, you know? So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that folks will start to realize that they, they need to invest in, in the ecosystem. It's an, it is, it all works together. Um, And if we don't support these things, then they're going to fall apart. I respect people's need and want and desire to put their money into social causes. I get it. But that's where a lot of the funding's going. And I understand that these festivals aren't necessarily leaning into the fact that they're social causes, but they're part of our well-being.
0: The arts has always been kind of cast off to the side, and it's always the first to be cut. But at the end of the day... Not only is it an ecosystem economically, but for our minds, like, for, like you said, your, our well-beings. We need this right. in our lives to bring joy, to bring community, to bring happiness. And without it, I would be sad to see what Salem would turn into.
2: The, I, I watched the journey of the new um, president of the Jazz and Soul Festival. Um, they almost collapsed they didn't they didn't they weren't able to pull off the willows this year. Hopefully they will next year, but I watched it. I watched almost Oh yeah, cuz it was
0: on the commons this year.
2: Yeah, I watched almost the entire board, you know, get tired, couldn't handle it too much. I watched the one woman who used to be the education director that used to take care of the education tent have such a passion for the festival that she decided that she was going to go for the board president position. And tried her best to do whatever she could. She leaned into any resource she had. And I remember sitting on the common that day and walking up to a group of who I know are investment bankers. And they were kind of having like a team building thing hanging out on the common together. And they were like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Why can't we do this all the time? I was like, you going to pay for it. And they were like, Whoa. I was like, seriously, you're going to pay for it? Because this barely happened. And that sound guy is volunteering all of his time and his equipment. Like half of the bands are getting paid a fraction of what they're supposed to get paid. Like throw in some money, guy. This can happen every weekend. This can feel this good every weekend. We can figure that out. But you got to invest in it. You got to put the money in it. The money is not enough money. Mass Cultural got roughly $37 million for the whole state. That's, for the whole state. That's not a lot of money. That is not a lot of money. You s- and that's an increase, and everyone was delighted that the increase happened. Now you look at economic development funding, and you're in the billions. So what are we doing wrong? Why aren't we having the conversations that these arts and culture, public activations, festivals, whatever, are part of that? you know, and I don't think it would take a lot for, I don't know this, you know, the Office of Economic Development to say, okay, we'll match those mass cultural $2,500 grants because it's economic development too. It's not going to probably happen, but like in a perfect world, now you've got the support on this side, you've got the support on this side, and now that's $5,000, which could pay for a band or the rental of sound gear. So, I think a lot needs to change. I'm hoping that we do start to see the light as far as how important this stuff is in the future. It just, it's it's going to be probably what I'm going to be on my deathbed going, <laughs> why haven't we figured out why we do not treat creators the way we should?
0: I appreciate this conversation so much because it's not just Salem. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere.
2: Yeah, this is very pervasive across the board. There are a couple... Places across the country that like might feel like they're working better. Uh, a colleague of mine just went to Crystal Bridges. I think it's in Minnesota or something, and um, it's like this like the most amazing modern art museum and, and activations and spaces and it's and just the entire thing is funded by the Walmart family.
1: Whoa!
2: Yeah, and wouldn't have guess? So but- it feels very strange. And, like, no one can afford to live there. It's this real, so it's like there are places that you're like, oh, it's thriving. Look at Wynwood in Miami. Wynwood in Miami was completely gentrified, so none of the community could live there. But it's a vibrant arts and culture scene with a lot. So it's like, what do you do with that? You know, how do you, we also have the bad habit as a society of once arts and culture gets too big, we find a way to squash it. And, like, there's that, too. So I think everyone's kind of a little afraid. It's like, do you want money or don't you want money? Well, we want money, but we want money responsibly, and we want to be responsible with. And, and that doesn't, you know, you know, now you're adding a whole nother layer to it, mm-hmm. you know. I don't, I don't know
1: how to phrase what I'm trying to think. <laughs> we got a different history yeah. than everyone else has. Ours isn't just based on someone. There is a cultural history yeah. to where we are. Which is unique to absolutely anywhere, which drives a significant amount of people here. Yeah. Not for just the oh, it looks. There's a whole nother level that we have, and we have a responsibility to to talk about that and to educate about that. And you can't, you can't, you can't stop that. You can't put that away. You can't. <laughs> it's never no. Good I
2: mean, and and there's no there's no part of what I do or anyone that I know does that dishonors that. You oh. know, it's like. I know that that's a piece of it. You know, I keep trying to make that justification in my head. Like, we have tenants in our building that just hate October. They just hate it. They're like, we don't want it anymore. It's too much. And I was like, do you love the settlement program at the Gables? Oh, yeah, it's an awesome program. Do you think that that would be as funded as it is without this money? Like, those are the real conversations. And, like, I don't want to be that guy.
0: If we didn't have October, we wouldn't have Salem. You, like it,
2: you would
0: it would just be a different
2: but we wouldn't have educated as many hundreds of thousands millions of folks on what making poor decisions like the folks in the witch trials did can do because like that it all plays into each other you know and and we would we would have a city we had a city before this was a thing but like you can look at it like there's exploitation or you can look at it like in every situation there's going to be exploitation in every single one you know but you do have folks out there that are trying to remove that ex- exploitative part of this and say just honor it honor honor the truth of it the reality of it you don't have to have that be your whole Salem experience because there is a lot more to Salem than just that, but that is a part of the fabric of it. I mean, I I
1: got to tell, I I looked the other day, I think just about 5,000 people about the witch trials in October. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. and
2: I, you know, and if you, you guys as tour guides have a way better understanding of the other history of the city too, but like, you know, Part of the reason that, like, Jazz Fest was always such a big thing for me was, you know, Dizzy Gillespie used to play on the Willows. Like, there used to be a a music shack.
0: We did a whole episode episode on on the Willows, and we reminisced about its heyday. Yeah. And it had several restaurants. Like, the big, um, what was that building called? Oh,
2: I know. I can't remember the, the roller coaster. Well
0: the, the, the roller coaster, I don't even think we talked about that. The that pavilion. Is, the pavilion. Yeah. The pavilion. With
1: beautiful. The, like, skating yeah. and people coming yep. and markets and like it was crazy.
2: So there's 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 so much that if we didn't do what we do if you didn't do what you do, if I didn't do what I do, the, the, the world would not know at the breadth of it. So, yes, the witch trials are a very important part of our lesson in our history. But, like, I don't I'm going to admit to this other than the time that you took the collective on a mini tour. <laughs> I have never taken a tour. Oh, wow. I have not. Well, I have.
1: You're, you're, you're welcome anytime. John. I
2: have had the ability through Destination Salem and the tourism day that they do to go on the trolley, and and they'll do the the again the mini tour thing. But even that, I'm like, holy crap! There's so much to this city that I don't, and I and I challenge. And this is like something that we do talk about in other communities. I challenge these other communities to embrace their tourism because. All you got to do is dig a little bit in any city and you can find some really interesting stories. My partner's from Lynn. I hear the most fascinating stories about Lynn. If you've never been to the GAR, which is the it's like the Civil War museum where the, like folks used to hang out, like it's right in the heart of the downtown. It needs a ridiculous amount of work to it. But like you can go in and actually see like Civil War memorabilia and like the stories of of you know, segregation and then desegregation. There's so much in each community. I think we just figured out how to tell our story a little better. And that's good. That's really good. Um, I also, I, I find it hysterical being out on the ground. Like, some of the stories, It just uh, no, no, definitely uh, not no, no, no. true. No, you know what? You know what? And like that what? gives us a bad name. Like what, John?
1: <laughs> we, we don't have uh, much time. What
2: was the best one that I heard? So last year I heard that. The, these two tourists were talking to their child and telling their child that they were in the wrong spot because the real witches were at Plymouth Rock. Whoa! <laughs> that was a Whoa. doozy. Whoa. That was a doozy. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, the fifty-fifty that I've heard this year. Speaking of Hocus Pocus, because everyone was talking about Hocus Pocus. Fifty um, percent of the tour guides that I hear talk about the soundstage that was used to film.
0: Uh the, yes. the ballroom
2: scene and the fifty percent of the, the tour guides that tell their guests that it was filmed there. Right. Which I know isn't true. Yes, you know, so it's like...
0: We're slowly putting that one to bed, Yeah, but I think it'll linger forever. We we have come to the conclusion that some of the stories that these people tell in town and that I will admit I've I've talked inaccuracies before. You know, my first year of being a guide, I was a ghost tour guide and I was just fed a script and turns out the script ain't right. But yeah. because so many people tell these stories and it just keeps being perpetuated, perpetuated, perpetuated... We are a it,
2: giant game of television. Telephone tag. Yep oh. is that the is that what it was called that game where you would tell yeah, somebody yeah. something yep. around the circle. Yeah,
0: and then they turn into legends, and then they get turned legends. into fact, and then back to legend. It's just a wild the wheel turns, but you know, place.
2: again, to bring out a positive in that, like without the ability for us to have such an invested audience of people that want to hear the history, you know, I know that some tours. Include it, but I know that some toys were created just to talk about, you know, uh, our history and black culture uh-huh. and the Underground Railroad and Charlotte Fortin and the Remen family. And I kind of obsessed and interested with the Remen family. because oh, We're going to
0: do a whole episode on them. I, fascinating.
2: Learned, I learned that they were literally caterers out of Hamilton <laughs> Hall. And I was like, I was a caterer out of Hamilton Hall, but I didn't know that when I helped launch the park. And so we ended up doing a, an event, actually, one of our meetups we did at Ledger. And we invited uh, Nicole McLean, who's the d- director of North Shore Juneteenth, and Gwendolyn Roseman, who's a local professor, who did the, the first speech I had ever heard on the Remens. And we talked about how much of an amazing, creative, entrepreneurial family they were. And like this tie-in of all of that, if there wasn't such an invested audience here... I don't know that those stories would reach such a wide. So again, there's there's a lot of benefits. I know a lot of folks are really starting to figure out and sort the history of the indigenous people here. Awesome. Like all these people from all over the world are we're, now going to learn.
1: We're going to try tackling that like two weeks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Trying to learn something new and like that's great. So if you can if you can bait and switch some folks to coming in and like learning about more than what they thought they were gonna learn about, then that sparks that that conversation and really starts to turn us into something so I think a little I, different.
1: That's always fun and I know I know you do it more than I do a little bit on my tours. Huh. Um the the witch Trials store. You talk about other stuff. Yeah. Like as you go around. And I always find it funny that, like, why company I used to work for, they, like, have, like, architecture tours or general history tours, and they were always not that popular. Yeah. Um, Like, there are people, like, oh, my gosh, they're, like, you're coming, you know about McIntyre, you know about, and they're coming for that. But every tour, when I mention, like, the shipping trade and Salem's the richest in the United States. Most people are mind-blown. Most people are, like, that's so cool. And, like, you like it. You just don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna give it to you anyway.
2: Karen Scalia, like. (laughs) from Salem food, food Tours opened my mind. We had this really cool idea, and if you guys ever want to steal this, go for it, but we had this really cool I idea out. a few years ago where we had done the research, and we had found where every original theater and cinema was in the downtown. Nice. And one of them was actually this right parking here. lot right That's over there. That's where Houdini performed. Yeah. And um, we actually found enough pictures to figure out actual programs that happened in the spaces So we were going to work with Intermersive and Carly and recreate and recreate scenes at the locations and have Karen do a tour and talk about the because she's an actress like all that just so like even that part of the history no one talks about the historic theaters we had no one like so all of this the more you dig the better it is I mean the breadth and scope of what Salem has been is very very wild. impressive and wild and you know the what's the down by collins cove there was a the house the the, sick the alms house yeah the, yeah yeah what, what was that
0: um so i think it was for smallpox
2: Smallpox. Yep.
1: and tb as well
2: yeah, yeah i
0: think as well
2: and then they it, was it it was it a fallacy that they shipped them off to baker's island or there was something else out on baker's island too so that's a whole nother story. That like through Essex National Heritage, I don't, I don't retain the details. Mm-hmm. I just know that there's a cool story out there. Right. Um, but you can keep going, like, and you can. I, it never ends. I, I'm hard pressed to think that anyone could come to Salem ten times and still have any understanding of the full breadth. What you know,
1: but. I probably don't know if I should complain too much. People are like, oh, we've been here for like two days and I've done everything. I'm like...
0: No, you haven't. No, no. I, I ask everyone at the beginning of my tours, scale of one to ten, how much do you know about the witch trials? And I should say, scale of one to ten, how much do you know about uh, Salem? Salem? But whenever I get a ten... I like and I get help. them once in a while. I'm like, mm. lady, I wouldn't even give myself a 10 because like <laughs> I think the smartest thing you can know is what you don't know yeah, because right. there's so much that we don't know. There's right. just it's impossible to know everything. So as long as you're seeking it out, continuing to seek it out and build on it, you're never going to run out of material. You're never right. going to run out of stories.
2: Right. Um and and you know, my hope kind of circling all this around, my hope is that the arts and culture piece of it, the history piece of it, gets included. You know i I would love I would love to know that that's yes, we have punto, but if you think about all of the other history that we have in this, that would be great to to be able to start. I mean, in five or six years from now, you know, can we talk about? jazz fest inceptions and all these things and who it's grown and like who's been here and who's performed and you know we we've had actual honest to goodness new orleans second lines here like doing performances and like all of that you know at what point do we warrant a straight up arts and culture tour you know, that, that does include Punto and stuff, but all Mm -hmm. the other stuff. I mean, the legacy of Artist Row and what it was before and, you know, Derby Square being an old farmer's market and like the fact that Kylie fights so hard to keep it in that space because of the legacy of it. And I just, there's a lot of stuff there.
0: So we are coming to an end here, but we do have a couple quick questions that we usually ask all of our guests. Um, and we know you work closely with a lot of people in town. Yep. So feel free to reject any of these. But do you have a favorite place for coffee?
2: Um yeah. I would say just because it's it's kind of become my go to would be Gulu. Okay. I I you know, I there's other places that I'll go for coffee. I love odd meter, but for the like I'm just gonna go pop up my laptop have an iced coffee. It's a decent iced coffee. Mm-hmm. It's it's most likely going to be Gulu. If I want to go have something different, like something cool, I'll go over to Odd Meter.
1: Whatever their seasonal Yeah,
2: yeah they're yeah. their magic sodas.
1: You like those? Oh, I love them. Okay. I love them. I didn't I I was like, "You know what? That looks interesting." And I ordered one. I was like, mm. "They're
0: caffeinated sodas, right?"
2: It, it, like, it's, it's like it's like juice and, and tea and bubbles, and it's delicious. Have
1: you, have you not had one? I have not had you one. You love bubbles. Yeah. Well, we, I do
0: love bubbles. Well, yeah. well, we know where we're going after this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do, I get, do I get to ask the, the, the cool question? Okay. Who is your favorite witch or wizard? And by, this can be historical, made up, uh, in your head, stories, movies, whatever.
2: Oh, man, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Oh, Witcher wizard. Um, I I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go safe here because I don't think I could pick Salem and just as a character and like whatever with J.K. Rowling. I Dumbledore is just cool. Okay, you know, is cool just cool. You know, and he always kind of had everyone's best interest at heart. So. I mean, no, but sure. <laughs> I mean, he had Harry's.
1: Yeah, until he was like, he's gonna die and gonna serve him as a platter to save everyone, but.
2: It's fine. I mean, you now you mess. There's
0: up nothing. My I mean, <laughs> come on. What else is he supposed to do, though? I
1: don't know. And it's justify the means, sure.
2: Sometimes, you know. Sometimes so he's going to make the, the, the person? He's kind of like the wizard version of Santa, I guess. <laughs> you know, like just, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I respect. Like I respect a lot of what comes out of Salem. I respect Erica a lot um, from Housewitch. I respect Christian for what he's built and grown. Both the Laurie's, you know, what they've grown and, like, who they are as people. And, you know, I've had some fascinating conversations with um, Laurie Bruno. Um, I've never actually met Laurie Cabot.
1: In I've only seen her in here, passing. I've, never met,
2: I've seen her in passing at parades back in the day when she did the parades. But Laurie, just, just, I only got a small piece of it. Like, I don't know the history and stuff. Right, right. But just, just the, the want to always say something kind. The want to say like believe in yourself like I love that out of any of these folks is very nice, and then I think that there's and I won't mention names, but I know that there's some folks that I respect greatly that practice mm-hmm. that never talk about it, and that's always interesting to me too. So I, de- I definitely think there's a couple out there that I would say as names if I didn't if I didn't honor their res- their their want to okay. not be called out for it. I'm not going to throw someone out of the witch closet, you know what I mean? Of course, no, absolutely. Of course. that's yeah. their, their own yeah. thing. I love that.
0: All right, what is your favorite thing about Salem?
2: I don't know if anyone's ever actually asked me that, to be honest with you. I would say its ability to let folks just be. And that can be anything, whether it's be a business owner, or be you know non-binary be you be a writer be a poet be whatever can you make a living off of it that's a different discussion but I just love the ability for everyone that I've known from (laughs) the pain in the ass homeless guy that's whittling wands that everyone wanted to kill like everyone just comes here and does a thing Mm -hmm. and like yeah sometimes it's harder than other times but like I, I know so many folks that, like, it's almost like the East Coast Hollywood.
0: Oh, I love that you know comparison. I mean? That's like, wild. You're just going
2: to pop in and try something, and there is a really good possibility that you might be able to make it work. And, like, that, that is what has always brought me back here. Like, that's the piece that I'm, like, I'm frustrated, and I really want to drive out, like, move to the western part of this, but, like – that opportunity that you could have here if you're driven enough and motivated enough, I don't see that anywhere else really. And it's not as doggy dog as Hollywood or New York or something like that, where it's like this just like huge competition and, and fight and like, you're going to get eaten up and swallowed out and spit out. And I don't feel that way about Salem. So I feel like it's almost a better version of those things because you really could I mean I've known filmmakers that have come here podcast hosts tour guides actors performers musicians you know even even the non you know the, the more traditional stuff like they just come here and they're like I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make it work and and I think we need again I think we need to produce it better but we need that volume to be able to say that because if there is no industry then that is not the case. I hate to like tie it all back into capitalism, but if you can't afford to live and you can't afford to pay your bills, then you're not going to try something cool. Right. You're just not. So, I th- there's
1: there's a lot of opportunity.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably my favorite is the opportunities that you can find if you look hard enough and you come in with an open enough mind and just try real hard. I mean, I'm not going to say you don't have to work your ass off for it. But I can tell you with every ounce of my being that what I'm doing and what I've created could not have been created anywhere else. I'm not saying we can't grow beyond it, but I could not have started this anywhere else. I've got, um, I've
1: got one uh, yeah. follow-on question to that, which yeah. is also a, a normal yeah. question, normal one of our closing questions. Do you have any advice to give?
2: Um, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Try, at least. You know, I... I really want people to, as best as they can in their own heads and hearts, respect the fact that we just came through a really, really monumental, life-changing situation that I don't think we've totally embraced the long-lasting reaches of it in us and our kids and our and our parents and, like, whoever. Um, so be kind, but... Find find some compassion for yourself and for others and, and, and patience. Patience. Have patience. Have patience with the fact that I don't know. There are probably millions of people in the world that are never going to honor what we just went through. And we're just going to have to deal with them. And they're going to have anger and frustration and they're not going to know what to do with it. And they're not going to know where it's coming from because they just didn't honor – If you read any book on trauma, it's the same thing. If you don't honor the trauma, you don't work through it, you don't go through those stages of grief, you will end up in a bad place or you'll end up not in the good place. And I think that there's a lot of folks out there. So I I just want people to respect and own the fact of what we just came from and and find those people around you that you can lean on a little bit to to get through it a little bit better. And I'm coming from a place of experience. I mean, I leaned into work. I did not deal with the trauma yet. I have not. And I feel it every single day. So, you know, I keep trying to push for more creativity in public spaces and colorful (laughs) and light and energy and music and games and anything that brings that that sense of it also increased my drive to support the people that know how to do that. You know, whether you're a magician or a drag queen or a tour guide or whatever, like do your thing that's making the world a better place. And like, let's help you do it more. You know, I the one good example I have is like watching watching Ms. Diamond, our local drag queen. I talked to them through all of COVID. They had to move out of New York and move home because they couldn't afford it because there were no drag gigs. And, and came to Salem and again, found that space. Found that, that with The right hustle, the right opportunities and just drove it home has pretty much made a living for themselves out of what they're best at. And, and the thousands of people that they've touched through the past month has been unbelievable and 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 how many folks walk by the outdoor drag show that they do and go wow this is cool in salem salem's pretty cool
1: yeah i i think my favorite thing about that whole thing and i don't know if they know this i should probably figure out a way to to, to talk to them and tell them is that's where judge Hathorn once lived
0: and like that, right out, outside of gulu like right oh behind yeah. the bewitch statue yeah. so it's, it's a historic <laughs> intersection
2: to you know that's to be where the sure. phoenix school started too i did not yeah the phoenix school used to be in one of those buildings as but, well but yeah. yeah
1: so so on that land now the creativity and imagination and uh acceptance and 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 song yeah and dance um is <laughs> in stark contrast yeah. to three hundred and thirty years ago. And that
2: that that in its at its core is a Salem story. Yep. Yeah. That is very much and again when we say is it like this anywhere else, that's a very Salem story. You know, you're not gonna find that exact story somewhere not, else. Not many other places, right? So, you know, I just if if we can just keep driving home and letting people do what they do and be who they are and love who they love, and you know, again, it's 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 a little hippy dippy, but it's 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 what's gonna get us through, and it's it's honestly not to get political, it's gonna it's it's gonna force enough people to not let us go back to where we were a few years ago, because where we were a few years ago was really bad.
1: On, on that note, two things. Yes. A, if you're Let's listening, end positive. Jumping off what you just said. If you're listening to this the day it drops, go vote. Yep. If you're
2: not. Is that the day it drops? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. If you're listening to this the, the day it drops, yeah. go vote. Uh, but that's, that's you just mentioned that. So I just want to say go yeah, and do definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. Go and do that right now.
2: Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's important.
1: But one, one other thing uh, before we wrap up yeah. do you have anything to plug? Um, like, like who, hey, check out the Creative Collective, follow us on it. Yeah,
2: I mean, you can you can go to our website, creativecollectivema.com, um, learn about our program. There's also listings for some cool events that our members are working on, um, some original stories and content reviews, stuff like that. All parts of supporting the creative economy. You can follow us on Instagram at CreativeCollectiveMA. We are in the process of also kind of figuring out what our post-COVID move is, but you can find all the information there. I think my best plug would be just go out and do something, shop local, go to a restaurant, go to a show. Even if you don't know if you're going to love it, like just go Support local creators wherever you can. We have some cool spaces that do events around here, whether folks know about them or not. You know, you go to Beverly, there's the Cabot, North Shore Music Theater, Off Cabot. There is some amazing progress happening in downtown Salem to get us some venues. I would say um, go to Cinema Salem as much as you possibly can and keep them afloat and alive. Um, the staff there is very interested in creating new original content and programming. They're finding that the original programming is doing even better than the big blockbuster movies.
1: I don't doubt it. That's exciting. So
2: that's very exciting. And I was
1: I was super bummed in October uh, that there was the Dracula thing I didn't get to go to, the Scream thing I didn't get to go to. Rocky Horror, I didn't yep. get to go to pretty much the biggest downside.
2: Yeah. You know, you have to go. And, and, now and now that
1: it's not that time, I'm looking forward to seeing that programming continue.
2: Yeah. Creators will find a way to create. They need to, they absolutely have to. It's part of your lifeblood. It's like you wake up in the morning and you need that coffee or you get a headache. Well, it's like some an folks itch. need to get up and write got an itch. or mm-hmm. sing or perform or it's an itch. So, yeah, I would say across the board, just go out and do something try to shop local as much as possible. I mean, I'm not ignorant to the fact I go on Amazon when I need something, but I do shop local as much as I possibly can for things that are easily accessible or handmade. Yeah. I mean, go on a tour. Do that, you yeah. know, whichever one you choose. If you're on one of Jeff's tours, I may interrupt you because <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. It's, it
1: happens occasionally. <laughs>
2: That's what I got.
0: Well, thank you so much, John, for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule, especially in our post-October Salem, to sit down and chat with us and really give a voice to the creative community here in Salem.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And now, I guess I actually have to start listening to some episodes. Huh? I, yeah, maybe, you do. <laughs>
1: maybe at, at, at least this one.
2: You're in my You're in my Apple Podcast stream. Oh, okay, you just, I just, you just I skip have over not listened to yeah. anything in months.
0: Understandably <laughs> yeah. so. We've all been very busy, yeah. but.
2: And I, I could fall asleep to your voice, but Jeff would probably keep me up all night. So. Well,
0: actually, there was um, <laughs> there was someone who mentioned that they started listening to the podcast and she tried to go to sleep to it and she said, oh, this is so nice, so nice. And then she heard Jeff very loudly <laughs> and she shot out of bed and she said, never again, never again.
2: That sounds about right. Yeah. But
0: right. I love your voice, but maybe not in my bed.
2: Thank you. <laughs> all right, it's time to call it quits. Okay, we're all right. weird. Thank you
0: again, John.
1: <laughs> Thank you. On that note, thanks for listening.
0: See you later.